welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host, Keandra. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and I'm a survivor of an eating disorder. And this podcast is everything I wish I could have heard myself in my journey to recovery. And I'm sharing that with you along this journey together. I am so, so happy that a lot of you are enjoying these episodes and reaching out to me with questions and even podcast ideas. Your thoughts are invaluable. So thank you for that. Um, I just wanted to put out a little disclaimer and there is going to be only a one week season break. I'm getting some new podcast graphics created. So I'm going to have a new sparkly podcast image for you in a couple of weeks, but I'm also going to take the opportunity to take about a week off. So don't worry, I will be coming back super soon, but it will be a one week season break. So don't expect an episode from me next week. But after that, we will be back on it with season two and hopefully expand on everything we've done in season one and bring you lots more exciting guests and more information that you want to hear about. But without further ado, I'm going to get straight into this week's episode. And I am joined by another exciting guest today, one um, lady that I have been friends with quite a while now. You might know her from Instagram. Um, This is Sophie Killip. Um, She is an eating disorder therapist. She does coaching. She has so much um, experience within the world of eating disorders. And in this episode, we're going to be talking all things body image, eating disorders, touching us slightly a bit on body dysmorphia and how to manage all of that when in recovery from an eating disorder. So, Sophie, hello. Lovely to meet you again. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm just hopping on this call from The Hague in the Netherlands, where I've been for the last couple of weeks, and just been a lovely little break, working from home, exploring the city. There's a beach nearby as well. So yeah, thank you for having me. No, I'm, you know, it's a pleasure, and I'm super excited for this episode, and you know, you know so much around these topics. So I think it's going to be invaluable for the listeners. So for anyone who doesn't know who you are, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, thank you for the introduction. My name is Sophie Killett. I am an eating disorders therapist. I've worked within the field of eating disorders for Around the last six or seven years, I'm currently living in Derbyshire in the UK, but I have lots of hopes to go traveling, exploring Latin America next year. I'm learning Spanish at the moment, which has been such a joy. I studied it for A-level, and I think when you learn something at school, it just becomes more of a chore, especially when you're younger. But being in my 20s, I've really realized what my genuine interests are. And I think learning Spanish, knowing that I'm going to be going to lots of Spanish-speaking countries next year has been a dream. Um, So that's sort of what I do on the side. In terms of my work as a therapist, I work part-time in private practice and I also work part-time for a London-based specialist eating disorders service. I've also worked at different universities over the years and I did my training over in the US. So I feel as though I'm a bit of a hybrid. I lived in the US when I was younger. There's definitely a part of me that's still over there whilst also obviously sounding very English myself. Um, And yeah, that's a bit about me. 
Amazing. Well, I didn't know you were learning Spanish, so I yeah, yeah I, I I think that's amazing. I wish I had. I know I have the capacity to learn a language, but I just don't think I have the willpower, you know, Sophie. So good on you, girl. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, Honestly, I wish uh, it's yeah. It's an absolute uh, yeah. challenge for sure, but I'm kind of ready to take it on. Usually yeah. things like this would really overwhelm me, but I think having that base knowledge mm. of Spanish and then also my brother, he speaks Spanish and he's been living in different Spanish speaking countries. So I think when you're around something like that and it just inspires you, there's so many ways that you can learn as well. Like even if it's just watching a Netflix show and putting on the Spanish subtitles and just sort of chipping away at it bit by bit without putting an expectation on yourself of, oh my God, I have to be fluent by the time it gets to next year. It's just more of a journey and I'm honestly loving it. I think Spanish culture is also incredible, like the food, the people, the way that they just live their lives, the siestas, everything yeah. I'm, I'm so inspired by. Amazing. Well, I'm excited to hear all about your travels next year when they when they happen. But I suppose all of that, that aside, obviously we've both got things going on and that's really exciting. But on a kind of a work-based side of things, what actually inspired you to become an eating disorder therapist and support people on their journey to recovery? Yeah, it always feels like such a big question because part of me wonders why myself at times, but I really think um, that it goes back to my time at uni in Sheffield when I was studying my uh, undergraduate degree in psychology. I just realized that I wanted to help others overcome mental health struggles um, in a really practical way. So I wanted to be with the clients rather than kind of the behind the scenes research side of things. I had an amazing lecturer um, for one of my counseling modules. And I think that really, really helped. But even before studying at uni as a kid, I've just been a very curious person. Um, I asked my grandma once what I was like when I was younger. And she said, you asked a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I've always had that curiosity for people. Um, but with the field of eating disorders, um, I actually volunteered as a befriender for, you know, the charity First Steps. Yeah. That was during my final year of undergrad. And from there, I just realized, like, I'm so interested and so keen to want to help these people overcome difficulties with food, with their body image. Um, I've also had some personal experiences as well. I think Growing up, my relationship with food was great until I noticed my body changing sort of at the end of school, university. I realized when I sort of reached my like early to mid 20s that I actually get engaged in a lot of disordered eating for several years. Um, and it wasn't until I started working on my self-worth and my self-esteem that I could let go of some of them. So mm. I think that personal experience really helps because you just build so much empathy from it. And I always say to clients that you can use your experience of this eating disorder as, as your superpower. It can help you towards helping others. And that's amazing. Um, I also just think that I can relate a lot to the negative influence of diet culture, probably like yourself growing up in the nineties and the early two thousands, we were just so, so, so exposed yeah. to, messages about like thinness as the beauty ideal and 
what foods we should or shouldn't be eating and almost glamorizing that restrictive mindset, which is so unhelpful. So I personally try and really channel that anger towards diet culture into the work that I do as a therapist. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is just so meaningful to me. So yeah, that's my journey, really. That's it. With anything, I think there's no one route, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're like, well, why did you become a therapist? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And I think with anyone, there's always a journey and a story behind anything. So it's just nice to hear that you've obviously got your own experience that you can weave in. And I think a lot of people who do work within the field do do have their own experience, lived experience, because that gives them that empathy, that real empathy mm-hmm. to help clients. Yeah. But I know you, you mentioned a little bit then about um, around body image and maybe the culture that we both kind of grew up in in the late 90s mm-hmm. around you know, magazines and you know all of that print culture around body image, et cetera. But from your own experience and what you do with clients, what are some of the struggles faced around body image and, you know, maybe weaving in a bit of body dysmorphia, but body image during recovery? And how, how do you help navigate these difficulties? Yeah, I mean, I think recovery, it's so important to just say that recovery is not an easy journey at all. It is totally possible. And I always have hope for clients, but there are some big struggles that do tend to come up. Um, I think for for me and my experiences, my clients do a really great job at understanding their eating disorder um, and their body image concerns. That next part of them taking that brave step of acting or thinking in a way that goes against the eating disorder voice can feel like a far bigger hurdle because you're mm-hmm. really putting into practice the things that you are talking about. And it's always easier, I think, to talk about things than to go ahead and act in that way as well. So I think it's important to just acknowledge that that fear is so real. It's so valid. A lot of my clients have been taught that their feelings aren't real or valid. So we really need to work on unlearning this to process emotions and really work through them instead of them you know, getting stuck along the way. Um, And then I think it's really about helping them to take small baby steps, steps that feel manageable, um, steps that feel realistic week to week. Maybe it's having an additional snack throughout the day, or maybe it's urge surfing for five minutes longer. Um, In case people don't know what urge surfing is, it's really where, say, you have an urge to engage in like an eating disorder behavior. But instead of going ahead and doing that straight away, you distract yourself, you allow yourself to sit with the uncomfortable emotions that might be coming up for you. And within that, your urge surfing. So you can really think about, okay, is this something I actually want to do? Or is that coming from the eating disorder? Mm -hmm. Um, And I also just think with all of this, you know, autonomy is so key. You have to feel as though you are making the choice with this. I'm never going to tell a client that they should be doing this, that they should be setting that goal, like this is their journey. And I think that can feel actually really empowering for them. Some other things that I think can also come up would be like learning to detach from your thoughts. So really practicing that thing of noticing that that thought is there without reacting to it. And I always use the example of instead of saying, I'm anxious right now, 
you say, okay, I notice that I'm having the thought that I feel anxious right now. So using your like observer mind to kind of recognize what's actually going on and knowing that those thoughts, they're not you, they're not even who you truly are, but they're coming from maybe that eating disorder or maybe that inner critic. Definitely empowerment and strength to to make those changes themselves is really important. And I think around body image, especially what, what comes up a lot with kind of like coaching clients is that there is that in, real engagement with the the mirror and the reflection. Mm. And I think that a lot of the time it is also about urge surf- surfing on those like kind of intrinsic, you know, little, little behaviors that are seamless, seamlessly harmless, but actually are maintaining that inner critic, you know, and I, I think appearance and our reflection is so subjective. One day you could be feeling better in yourself and your body image is better. The other days the eating disorder is loud and you see yourself in a different light. And also I think some of the digestive difficulties that people go through when re-nourishing potentially in any sense, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of bloating. There is a lot of, you know, the weight distribution, redistribution doesn't happen so quickly. And, you know, it's a, a reflection isn't an accurate picture, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such a good point that you bring up there, particularly around body image and the fact that we know our perception of how we look can change from one day to the next shows us that it's not about our bodies. It's about how we're experiencing our bodies, the thoughts, the feelings that are coming up around all of that. And for somebody that is really struggling with body image in their recovery, um, I think that one of the biggest things really is that self-critical voice of you know, oh my gosh, you look so ugly. Just the the nasty things that can be said when we're looking in the mirror. And I think learning to actually practice self-compassion and practice being kinder to yourself, it's like learning Spanish, right? It's like learning a brand new language. So you have to be so patient with with yourself as you go through that process. Um, And you have to practice being kind to yourself in front of the mirror, learning that new, I don't know, pathway in your brain of, okay, Mm -hmm. instead of just bashing myself straight away, I'm going to say something kind about myself. Or if you can't say something kind about yourself, could you say something neutral instead? Could you tell yourself today, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to work today, I'm going to brush my teeth, make it as factual as possible, And in doing so, almost quiet that inner self-critic that is telling you all of these nasty things about the way that you look. For sure. And I think, you know, part of that is, I think there is going to be setbacks involved. So, you know, a lot of people may feel like with recovery that if they have a little setback, that that's it, that they, you know, they fail. But really, recovery is not linear. But how do you approach setbacks in recovery with clients and help them to stay motivated Mm -hmm. to continue their healing journey. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right there. Recovery is not linear. And we could say that over and over and over again until it is really ingrained, right? Because so much of what we see online, on social media, in the world today is people progressing, people growing in a way where, you know, they're just flourishing all of the time and it's not like that so I think really normalizing that recovery is going to have its ups and downs like right from the get-go 
managing those expectations. Even if you're about to start therapy or coaching, it doesn't mean to say that every single session is going to be absolutely amazing, but that's okay. It is all part of the journey. And then to take it a step further, I think teaching clients to use those setbacks as an opportunity to learn. Like if we ever have a dip, then that is a a time where we can really look at, okay, like what's going on here? What do I need? What am I not Mm -hmm. giving to myself? Or what do I need from others? Those are such important questions that are involved in healing. And when we are being more in that observer mind, instead of being in the critical mind, we learn so much more about ourselves, our triggers, we can then heal from any of like the unhelpful beliefs that we've learned along the way. So I guess almost just attaching that word learning or opportunity to set back is the way that I would go about it. For sure. And I think with that, you know, weaving in kind of setback and fear of setback or, you know, quote unquote failing, which is never failing, but maybe in somebody who's in recovery, if they have a setback, I often fear, mm-hmm. hear that kind of, oh, oh no, does that mean I've failed? I think number one, no, it doesn't. But, you mm-hmm. know, actually, how do you approach clients that feel, I suppose, ashamed to seek out for help about their eating disorder or body image? And what advice would you say to somebody who's contemplating getting help? I think that there is just still stigma isn't there around mental health difficulties we've come a really long way over the years but even I guess I'll speak mostly for the UK you know we're quite a reserved nation aren't we I think in America it's probably slightly different Mm -hmm. um but talking openly about emotions when maybe our parents or our grandparents have had that mindset from the war of like, oh, you just, you get up, you you keep going, you carry on. Um, so it can feel like a really vulnerable thing to do, reaching out. And in our society, sometimes that can be seen as like, quote unquote, weak, which is absolutely not true. And I think I'll just say as a therapist that I see you, I hear you, it's okay. You can reach out and for that to be met with non-judgment um and I guess I also speak on behalf of other eating Mm. disorder professionals that reaching out it's it's brave it's courageous it's saying do you know what I'm gonna get some help for this right now I want to be better I want to feel happier in myself and I just I'm in awe of my clients and their ability to open up I think they really teach me so many lessons about myself as well and again with you know just taking baby steps like having one conversation going to one therapy session just seeing what happens and knowing that it's always your choice if it's not for you right now then that's okay there are so many ways in which we can get help it doesn't have to be going to therapy it can be speaking to a friend speaking to a family member that you know you you can really trust calling a helpline you know there are so many options here for sure and I think it's all about that you know non-critical judgment and you know it's not Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be forced you know somebody's journey is their journey and some people it's about reaching out for help but then it not being right time and then maybe it will be the right time at some point you know and and that's it's all about compassion along the way and I suppose with compassion Mm -hmm. you know and around body image especially 
how can friends and family or people around actually help someone who's going through the challenges of body image struggles and eating disorder recovery? Great question. And I guess I just want to briefly touch on what you're saying about criticism. Like as you were talking there, I was thinking, why do we ever think that criticism is going to help us? And on some level, I do understand that a lot of people are taught that being criticized helps you to be better or it helps you to achieve more. And yet, actually, whenever we are critical to ourselves, to others, it's that like shame that's inflicted on the situation that stops people from reaching out and getting that Mm -hmm. support. So I just think like it's probably been a bit of a theme today that curiosity and compassion instead of criticism is always going to help you to get further along in your recovery. I think in terms of, I guess that does really tie in with like how can friends and family support somebody going through those challenges. And that is really to be that safe space for that person who is struggling as hard as it might be, as difficult as it might be to really understand what that person is going through. You know that they're having a hard time. And if you can meet them without judgment if you can just actively listen like listening is really really hard um I think a lot of the time we just want to speak we want to give advice we want to try and like fix the problem straight away and with eating disorders and body dysmorphia it's just not going to work like that it's not as simple as okay just eat or just tell yourself that you look great and move on from this like eating disorders are they're complex they're biopsychosocial mental health disorders and we have to acknowledge how complex they really are um so just continuing to love and continuing to be that person that when the time is ready they will come to you and they will talk and that is going to be so much more healing for them than being given lots and lots and lots of advice for sure and I think patience that's the one thing that I would always advocate is have patience because you know I think with anything it's like why can't you be better now why can't you do this why can't you do that and it's like that actually you know ironically pushes somebody further and Mm -hmm. further and further away from actually the true you know true recovery because then they're like I can't do this because I feel pressured so I think patience is key and patience with yourself like for anyone listening if you're struggling with body image or going through eating sort of recovery it's having patience that you know you will get better from this you will look in the mirror one day and not necessarily be like oh you know and I think there is this thing out there on social media that's all about body love every day you know loving (sighs) your and I think to be honest and I'm gonna just gonna keep it real here I think for me it's like acceptance it's just being yeah. like, yeah, this is the one body I, I I was born in. I can't change it. I'm not going to waste my life trying to change it because that is me wasting my life. But I don't need to celebrate and love myself and outwardly portray that every single day to be okay. I can just mm-hmm. say, you know what? I am in a body today. My body enables me to do all the things that I want me to do. It keeps me well. It keeps me dynamic. It means that I can live the life that I deserve but it doesn't yeah. mean that I have to shout it from the rooftop. So for anyone listening who feels like they need to get to this place where they're like, yeah, I love my body every day and I want to shout about it. You don't. It, it's mm-hmm. all okay to just accept. Yeah, I absolutely love and appreciate your realism there because 
like with so many things on social media, we do see people celebrating their bodies and quote unquote loving their bodies in a way that might not feel realistic for most people. And even for that person that is, you know, posting whatever it is, it might not even be their truth either. We really don't know a lot of things with social media. I think it can be a mask a lot of the time, to be honest. But yeah, just focusing on either coming from that place of body neutrality, like your body neither has to be good or bad. It's just a body. It helps you to get through life. It's it's your vessel to experience life. And that's that ever onwards. You are so much more than just your body. Um, with body acceptance as well, you know, just learning to be in the body that you are without feeling that need to change it, I think is a more realistic goal than feeling like you have to love the way that you look every single day. And actually, from the research, when they talk about positive body image within the academic research, it never comes from that place. It comes more from that space of like respecting your body, taking care of it, um, appreciating it, being grateful for what your body can do rather than how it looks, and even having a more like diverse sense of what beauty means. Like maybe it's not what we see in the movies all the time. Maybe it's that actually, you know, beauty comes from within and that like we can see a range of body sizes that are beautiful if we want to even look at body at all, which we don't have to. So I'm such a big believer in that you don't have to love the way that you look every single day to have a better relationship with your body. For sure, for sure. I think that's just, you know, for anyone listening, you know, I hope that that resonates. And I suppose as we wrap up today, Sophie, could you offer some words of encouragement and, and yeah, any any advice for those that are on that journey, um, reminding them that healing and hope is possible? Yeah, I think just take it one step at a time. Be gentle with yourself. There's no like expectation or pressure of having to be at a certain place within your recovery. Everybody is different. There's different life experiences that we go through that can bring up those setbacks and we're not always in control of them. And I also think acknowledging your wins, even in therapy, right? It's it's easy to end up focusing on the things that aren't going well on the uncomfortable emotions, on the negative experiences, but you're a whole human and chances are you have had some positive experiences along the way. If you can focus your mind on, do you know what? Like I put milk in my coffee today. Like that's Mm -hmm. amazing. Or I didn't beat myself up as much as I usually do when I looked in the mirror. Um, Those things are, are huge actually. And we have to focus on them. And then I guess lastly, just that as a therapist, I have seen people recover. I have seen people hugely improve and just know that that it is possible. You can get there with all of this and patience is, is going to be your best friend. Patience, compassion and knowing that things will get better. Everything mm-hmm. gets better with time. It's not, up, you know, an upward trajectory forever, but, you know, it's holding that hope. So Yeah, thank you so much for your words of wisdom, Sophie. I think they've been invaluable and I hope the listeners have got some valuable tips from this as we end today. Can you tell the listeners how they might be able to find you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful to have a chat and connect. Yeah. Um, my Instagram handle is at therapist.soph. And then my website is foodbodyself.co.uk. So you can find me on either one of those. Amazing. Well, I'll leave everything in the show notes as always. And me and Sophie, before this episode, we're talking about some exciting kind of maybe collaboration opportunities we'll be doing in the back Mm -hmm. end of this year, probably the new year, knowing how time flies. But keep your eyes, eyes peeled? Ears peeled? <laughs> you keep your eyes, eyes peeled, and, I think. Yeah, I think I think keep your eyes peeled. Keep your ears peeled. Oh, I don't I'm know. Confused. One of them. Both. <laughs> keep your eyes and ears peeled. <laughs> One of them. And yeah, we, you know, either of us on our socials will um announce anything when it happens. So again, Sophie, thank you so much for joining me today. Enjoy your Spanish practice and the rest of the time in the Hague. <laughs> Thank you so much. No Take worries. care. I'll speak to you soon. Speak soon. Bye.